right, guys, welcome to day 309 of Shaped by the Word. My name's David Keefe, here with Katie and Matt, and we'll be taking you guys through Shaped by the Word this following week. Um, we find ourselves in Matthew, and we come to a pretty climactic scene as we get to Jesus on the cross. And uh, it's kind of a, I mean, it feels cool to kind of get here because we've been building up to this for a long time, mm-hmm. 308 days, actually. Yeah. And so we find ourselves, as we can be kind of going to shaped by the word, we find ourselves now at the, at the center of, of, of Christ's life here where he comes to the cross. And so we've seen Jesus before Pilate. He's been betrayed. Um, they let Barabbas go and took Jesus instead. And so now we come to the crucifixion of Jesus. And so we'll be in, in Matthew 27, starting in verse 32. But before we start, as always, let's uh, go to the Heavenly Father in prayer, um, reminding our hearts of who He is and how good He is and how much we need His Word. Mm-hmm. Katie, do you mind praying for us? Not at all. Father, thank You. Thank You for this time that You have given us together um, in Your Word, God, um, that You meet us where we're at. And Lord, I pray that as we um, just open up our Bibles and hear um, just how you have revealed yourself here, the story unfold um, of this pivotal moment in history, not just in Jesus' life, but in ours as well, and the lives of the world. Um, God, would you would you use it to shape us? Would you um, bring us to repentance um, and continue to transform our hearts as we are um, humbled by? reading about the crucifixion of Jesus, Lord, on our behalf. And so we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the crowds have yelled, crucify him. They've stripped Jesus down, put a scarlet robe on him. They have put the crown of thorns on his head. And we ended our last episode with the words, they led him away to crucify him. And so we pick up in verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their head and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants wants him. For he has said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elah, Elah, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When, Eli- when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar. He put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. 
The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to save him. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to take care of his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. He had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Jesus took the body, wrapped it in clean uh, Joseph took the body, wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. The last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate said. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Mm. Super interesting passage, right? The, the guys at the end here, you know, they, they remember, oh, he, he said this thing before he died. That he's going to, so let's, let's make it really secure. And then probably doesn't make it as secure as you know how. Yeah. This, so, I feel like this is the most detailed like picture of yeah, what happened with, with like the ceiling of the tomb mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Like they kind of remember like Jesus said these things and they're just going to steal his body and it's going to be worse than it even was at the beginning. So we have to, mm -hmm. so they put this big stone there and. But you know, the, the, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but did his disciples even remember that he had said that? Because I feel like they were really surprised when he rose. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, you know, like they had to remember the words of Christ and we'll obviously we'll get to that mm -hmm. tomorrow. But I have always, always been taken back by that scene, you know, when we kind of move back to the start of our passage, kind of in verses 38, you know, kind of through 44, it's, it's where he's on the cross, you know, he's being mocked and they're just saying, it's so ironic at times the things you're saying to him. Mm -hmm, you know, once you true. save yourself, come down from the cross. And, right. you know, he can't save himself. If, if he really is a son of God, then let God rescue him. And it always takes me back to that one scene. It's in, uh, you know, in, in Matthew 26. It's in Matthew's account of kind of leading up to the cross. It's where Jesus, he's being betrayed, right? And we get to that scene where Peter pulls out a sword, right? And he <laughs> cuts off that guy's ear. And, and Peter, you know, he... Or, and Jesus being gentle put, puts the, the ear. ear back on the guy, which that's just, that's wild, right? And everyone saw that. But then, you know, Jesus even tells Peter in that scene, I've always been taken back by that. Like, don't, don't you know, I could call to my father right now and have 12 legions. Mm -hmm. Like, I could stop this from happening. Mm -hmm. 
he could save himself right here if he wants to, but but he doesn't because in in the losing of himself, he actually saves us, right? Mm -hmm. Which is just quite the reversal. And so everything that we see him going through here, he's doing it for us. And that's always that's right. taking me back when I think back to the cross. But you know, he could have stopped this, but he didn't. Why did he not stop it? For me yes. and for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's always just humbled me as it comes to Christ. But I don't know, as you're looking at the rest of this passage, we got a few minutes. What else is standing out to you guys? Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that stands out to me is just the ironies that Matthew presents. You know, that here they have Jesus, you know, behold, he's the king of the Jews, you know, and they're mocking him. And, and yet in the reality, he's not just the king of the Jews. He is the king of the world. And he's, you know, in this moment, we're seeing the enthronement and exaltation of the king through a through a crucifixion, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you have those, he saved others, but he can't save himself. But in actuality, as you were saying, by not saving himself, he is, mm -hmm. you know, and will save others. And so just the, the great ironies that we see in the text um, that, that people are missing. And, and it's not until, you know, I think one of the interesting things about this passage that Matthew draws out is the Jewish people are missing it. The Jewish, you know, leaders are missing it. The religious leaders mm -hmm. are missing it. They're mocking him, spitting on him. And calling then you him have deceiver too. Yeah, <laughs> calling him a deceiver, and yet the the one person who makes a, a confession of faith uh, concerning the the person and identity of Jesus here is the centurion who looks on and says, "Man, I don't know much about their story. You know, maybe all I know about their story is the uprisings and mm -hmm. I mean they're zealous people, but here, surely this man was the son of God. So just an incredible confession. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about." all that took place when Jesus finally gave up his spirit, which that, that just that wording alone, mm -hmm. it goes along with what you were saying, David, just like he gave up his spirit. That was a will, that itself was a willing thing. Um, it wasn't taken from him. He finally gave it up. But when he finally dies, I mean, the earth shakes, the rocks mm -hmm. split, the temple, um, the, the curtain in the temple is torn from top to bottom. And that's not like, Flim a flimsy curtain. This is like a super yeah. thick curtain. So all this is happening, and that is what the centurion is experiencing. Yeah. And well, I mean, and what Matthew wants us to see is nothing's happening outside the will of God. You know, like mm -hmm. there is no accidental things happening or things out of sort, even to the point of Jesus giving up his last breath. You know, that nothing in this moment's out of outside of Jesus's mm -hmm. control. And, and yet, as an onlooker, it looks like everything's outside of his control. Yeah, and said, so, no, no, even mm -hmm. just the last breath he breathes, he gives up. That's you know, good. it reminds us of Jesus's words, you know, no one takes my life, but I give it. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're just seeing the sovereignty of God on display through the crucifixion of Jesus. Well, and, you know, I've shared this before. I don't know if I've shared it here, but just the first time I watched um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with Jude, and he was probably about two or so, and we watched it, and Aslan goes to die, and he's being killed by the white witch and spoiler. Um, and Jude is so frustrated. He's like, why is he dying? He must be weak. Like the witch must be stronger than him. And I said, nobody, he is choosing to do this to save Edmund. And, um, this is a willing thing that he's doing. And it's in, in fact, it's not showing his weakness. It's showing his strength and he's going to display his strength here in a little bit. And so we have that to look forward to, but um, just how beautiful is this willing, loving death of Jesus on the cross. And I mean, it's awful and terrible and it should bring us to our knees. Um, 
and bring us to a place of humility, but it is, um, it's so wonderful to be reminded of the love that our God has for his people, for us in order to do something like this. And when you look at the willingness of Jesus and we kind of bring it to a close here, he's willing to go to the cross for us. And then you see this man named Joseph that we're introduced to Mm -hmm. this rich man. He's willing to even associate with dead Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, like this mentality, like, man, he's dead, he's gone, I'm gonna retreat from this. But no, he was actually a, a disciple. Mm-hmm. So he's even like, yeah, I'm willing to even associate with this guy who appears to be so weak in this moment. But yeah, as we'll see soon, he, he's not weak, he's strong. Yeah. And so even Joseph identifying with Christ here and, and still following him is this huge testament. And so true. here's the tension we find ourselves in. They've made it secure, mm-hmm. at least as secure, as secure as they know how to. Hmm. There's a guard, the tomb's been sealed, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. (laughs) Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for Christ. We thank you for the cross. What an amazing thing. Uh, May it never be lost on us. May we never just read this and go, okay, neat. Um, But may this really get deep down into our hearts, um, that Christ, um, he, he he made himself nothing and he went to the cross for us. What a, what a beautiful, amazing thing. And he's called us now to to die to self and to pick up our cross daily and to follow him. So Father, may we be people who follow the real Jesus um, who gave his life away and may we give our lives away for him. Mm-hmm. And we pray this all in his name. Amen. Mm-hmm.